Hello, fellow history nerds and historians. My name is Christina, and this is After Mythology. This is where we talk about a little tidbit from mythology that's super fucked up. Well, today is April Fool's Day, or at least it is when I'm filming it. And the historian in me wanted to know the roots of the day, which actually seem to possibly have pagan origins, which is always very, very exciting. Now, historians don't know the exact history behind the day, but there are some thoughts. The first one comes from the French Renaissance. The less pagan roots of this say that the day may date back all the way to 1582, when France switched from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian one. So the main difference between the two is that the Julian calendar starts in what we would consider by the Gregorian calendar late March, early April. It's around the spring equinox in the Northern Hemisphere. So during this time, considering that there were no TVs or emails or social media... News was kind of slow to spread to people who weren't in the major cities. So people were still celebrating the new year when it came to March and April. And people who knew of the switch to the Gregorian calendar started calling them April Fools, which was where someone would put a paper fish on their back, which symbolized a young and easily caught fish or a gullible person. The second possible theory links all the way back to ancient Rome. So some historians have also linked April Fool's Day to pagan Rome, where the cult of Sybil, which is the mother of the gods and the Roman equivalent of the Titan Rhea, would celebrate the festival of Hilaria at the end of March. During this festival of Hilaria, people would dress up in disguises and mock and trick their fellow citizens. Now, one more theory is that April Fool's Day is actually linked to the spring equinox in the Northern Hemisphere, when Mother Nature would fool people by unpredictably changing the weather. The original trickster. What is a trickster, you ask? Well, a trickster is a figure often found in mythology, but also in folklore sometimes. These tricksters were extremely intelligent and used that intelligence to play tricks, duh, but also go against social and societal norms. Pretty much every culture has a trickster, but there are some that are more well-known throughout the world, such as Hermes in Greek mythology and his equivalent Mercury in Roman mythology. You also have Iktomi from the American indigenous Lakota tribe, um, Maui in Polynesian mythology, and Loki from Norse mythology. And my personal favorite. Yes, Loki is my fucking favorite, and not just because Tom Hiddleston is just... <sighs> Anyway, he Loki just brings me so much joy when I read his stories. So in honor of Loki and April Fool's Day, we're going to talk about one of my favorite Norse myths, where Loki is a woman, Freya's getting married, what the hell is Thor wearing, and where the fuck is that goddamn hammer? I'm so excited. So sit back, relax, and practice your, oh good God, watch the fuck faces. Thor, god of thunder, mightiest and manliness of the Aesir, the bravest, strongest, most valiant, everyone's favorite, Dumdrock, woke up one morning and just knew that something wasn't quite right. He groggily reached out for his hammer, Mjolnir, and felt nothing. Hmm, that's weird. Okay, retrace your steps, Thor, it's gotta be somewhere. It's not 
somewhere. Hmm. Okay, well, the next logical explanation is that Loki has something to do with it, but not even Loki would steal the hammer. I mean, it protects all of Asgard and all of its inhabitants. Hmm. Keeps away the the frost giants and the the ogres and and the trolls and and whatever other monsters Loki may or may not be related to or have had sexual relations with. So the next logical thing to do is to ask Loki if he has any idea what happened. So there goes to Loki and tells him, don't tell anyone, but my hammer is missing. And Loki is like, well, <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do. And Thor reminds him not to tell anyone because people can't know that he lost his hammer or else panic would ensue. So Loki goes to Freya, the goddess of love, fertility, war, and death, who rides around in a chariot pulled by cats. She's amazing. <laughs> so Loki walks in and says, hey, Freya, I need your falcon cloak. And Freya tells Loki to fuck off. And Loki, without even blinking and in typical Loki fashion, tells her that Thor has lost his hammer and I'll be right back. Freya cuts him off and goes to get the cloak. So Loki puts on Freya's cloak. Now, it's a special cloak. We've talked about this cloak in the I Dune episode. It lets the wearer fly like a falcon. So he flies all over and makes his way to Jotunheim, the land of the frost giants, and spots the ugliest ogre that you've ever seen. The ogre waves at him and smiles a sharp, toothy grin. So Loki lands and the ogre says, what's good, man? What's up with the Aesir? What's up with the elves? What are you doing here? Don't the frost giants hate you guys? Loki tells him, everything fucking sucks and there's no good anywhere in the world. Because he's quite dramatic. The ogre doesn't say anything but laughs, a real mischievous laugh. One that Loki is quite familiar with. So Loki is skeptical. Tells the ogre, Mjolnir is missing. Do you, uh, do you know anything about it? Have you seen it, maybe, or heard anyone talk about it? The ogre says, yeah, maybe. Uh, how's that Freya doing? I hear she's hot. Is she, uh, she hot? Loki's like, yeah. I mean, if you're into that sort of thing, she's the goddess of love, so most people find her attractive. I'm more of a giant and horse guy myself, but, you know. So, Hammer? Oh, yeah, I uh, stole that. The ogre responds, I hid it where no one will find it, but I'll, I'll give it back to you if you give me what I want. Loki starts bargaining. Okay, great. Uh, what do you want? Like gold? Uh, amber? Uh, toothbrush? <clears throat> ogre refuses. No, I uh, don't want any of that shit. What I do want is to marry Freya. So you're going to bring her here in eight days and the hammer will be her wedding gift after we, <laughs> you know, wedding night. <laughs> like he was not expecting that. He's like, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, so what's, what's the name of Freya's newly betrothed uh, so i can congratulate you properly on your engagement the ogre tells loki that he is thrym i am lord of all the ogres loki tells him that he will see him in eight days and flies off with freya's cloak 
Slokey flies back to Asgard and doesn't even land before Thor just grabs him out of the air and yells, tell me what you know, because I know that you know something. I can tell by your face that you know something. Just tell me what it is. I don't want to give you time to think about it because I know how you are and I know how much of a trickster you are and I don't want you to try and trick me. So what the fuck do you know, Loki? So he tells him exactly what happened and that Thrym wants Freya's hand in marriage in return for the hammer. Thor nods. He just wants her hand? I mean, it's not, it's not terrible. We, we could, we could probably convince her to give up her hand. I mean, Tyr had his hand bitten off by Fenrir and he's all right. I mean, I mean, the hammer is important. It's, 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 it's worth a hand, right? Loki just massages his forehead and explains to Thor that hand in marriage is just an expression that means marrying the whole person. Oh yeah, Freya's not gonna like that. Thor says, I, uh, I'm going to leave that up to you. Good luck explaining that to her. Because, you know, trading a woman for a magic hammer is super reasonable. So Loki and Thor set out to return her cloak and I guess offer her congratulations or whatever. And when they get there, she asks Loki if he found the hammer. And he tells her, yeah, Thrym, the ogre lord, stole it and won't give it back without something in return. Freya makes the face. Ugh, I've heard of him. He's gross. What does he want for the hammer? You. Loki responds, super tactful, man. Freya is just silent. So he continues to clarify he wants to marry you. Still nothing from Freya. So Thor says, wow, I thought you'd give up more of a fight about this. Thanks for being so cool. So yeah, you have eight days here and then uh, you're going to marry your new husband. So pack your bags and put on your bridal crown because, you know, I really need my hammer back. Freya still says nothing, but the ground begins to shake. Her cats hiss at Loki and Thor and then go and hide. The two men look back at her and her hands are clenched into tight fists so tight that her knuckles are white. She's vibrating with such a strong emotion that her necklace of brisings falls off of her neck and falls onto the ground, but she didn't even seem to notice. Her rage finally explodes. What kind of fucking woman do you think I am? Am I really that disposable to you? Something that can just be thrown away like yesterday's trash to pay for your carelessness if you really think that i am going to marry that disgusting monster you get out the room feels as if it is going to collapse around them but thor still protests one last time but what about my hammer Freya tells him to fuck off and that he can marry Thrym if it's really that important. Loki tells him to stop talking while he's ahead and ushers him away from Freya before anything worse happens she's uh Quite beautiful when she's angry, Thor says. I can see why Thrym wants to marry her. So a council is called with all the gods in the great hall, and everyone is in attendance except for Freya, because fuck Thor, that's why. Everyone begins giving suggestions, but Loki immediately shuts each one of them down, until the only one who hasn't spoken is Heimdall, the guardian of the Bifrost and watchman who sees all. Loki asks him if he has a suggestion. He says he does, but that Thor will not like it. Thor starts fucking flipping tables. I don't give a fuck if we like it. I need to get my hammer back. And if this idea is going to get it back, I'm sure that I won't hate it because I need my fucking hammer back. You are going to hate it, Heimdall says. No, I'm not. Thor disagrees. Well, I think that we should have Thor marry 
bathroom. I fucking hate it! Thor erupts. Heimdall continues that Thor will wear a dress and will pat it so that he looks more like a woman and then he'll wear a bridal crown. We'll put a veil on him to cover up his beard and all of his stubble and we'll adorn him with jewels and rings and the necklace of brising so that Thrym thinks that it's actually Freya. And the whole time Thor is in the background just nope, nope, uh, uh, nope, nope, uh, uh, nope, nine, no. Loki tells him it's a wonderful idea and Odin agrees and orders the ladies of the court to prepare Thor for his wedding. All of the goddesses help except Freya, although she has absolutely no problem letting him borrow her necklace of brisings because this was originally her idea after all. Once they're done, they survey their handiwork and he looks like Thor in a dress. So they cover up his face with the veil and adjust his headdress to shield his eyes, but he's still a big manly junk. And this is one of the reasons why this is one of my favorite Norse myths. I am a big LGBTQIA rights and pride advocate. And from all the research that I've done, in Norse culture, homosexuality wasn't really an issue um, so much as long as the men still got married and had children because that was their duty to society. But if they had a male partner on the side, the women and their families would just kind of like look the other way. There's a lot of documentation I could find about lesbian relationships, but I'm sure they happened. The thing is, though, their views were that it was fine as long as the men were in that dominant role. So they could be in a romantic relationship as long as it didn't really get too sexual. And it was totally socially acceptable for them to sexually assault men and women as long as they were the dominant ones or... The ones doing the penetrating. That's like really awkward to say, but yeah. So if they took the more submissive role, they were deemed unmanly and were unfit to be fathers and warriors. And this also extended if they were to wear women's clothing or perform some of the female duties at home. So this story takes the most manly god, the fiercest warrior, protector of all the gods and goddesses, and puts him in a dress and tells him to act feminine. And it's totally acceptable. And I feel like this story could have been justification to trans or gender fluid people back then. That just didn't really get perpetuated in the myths that have survived the last thousand plus years. So remember, these stories were perpetuated by the patriarchy to make the society seem powerful and manly. I mean, when the Vikings would go and storm England, they would make the monks build them to be these like, Eric the Fierce and, you know, Roger the Brave, although Roger's not really <laughs> a Viking name, but you get what I mean. So the way that these stories were perpetuated, they wouldn't put a bunch of instances of people who were assigned male at birth acting in a, quote, feminine manner, because that would take away from this, like, strong, manly image that they were trying to portray and perpetuate for those around them and for generations to come. So I actually really love the story for this. Uh, I was thinking about doing this for Pride Month, but I love it. And it kind of involves Loki. So I felt it was acceptable to do this for April Fool's. But not to worry. I have some really fun uh, pride stories planned for June, both on the historical and mythological level. So more to come. Just wait. So back to the story. Thor is getting married. And as a noble goddess, he needs a handmaiden, right? 
Well, no simple goddess will do. So Loki, the trickster god, who is also a shapeshifter, turns himself into a beautiful woman and the two fly off to the land of the ogres. Loki advises Thor to stay quiet and let him do all the talking. They land and are met by a giant woman who is Thrym's sister, who is not named because (laughs) women don't matter. Clearly, you can just trade them for hammers on a whim. She remarks on the look of Freya and Loki assures her that when Freya removes her veil, they will see that she is truly the most beautiful of all the goddesses. Now where is her groom? For I can hardly contain her. She is so eager to meet her beloved. So they're led into the great hall, and Thor is worried that if he sits next to Thrym, Thrym may grab his leg or try to remove the veil, and the jig will be up. So Loki volunteers to sit between them and speak on Freya's behalf, and we'll just act like that's a custom for us or something. So they sit at the table where Thrym is sitting at the head and giant servants come in bringing five whole roasted oxen and 20 salmon the size of 10-year-old boys and five giant casks of mead and a dozen tray of pastries for the women so they don't trifle themselves with the food of men. A meal worthy of the beautiful Freya. Thrym announces, but before he can say anything else, he is left speechless by the sheer amount of food being consumed by the veiled bride. The servants leave the tray of pastries in front of the bride, and her handmaiden Loki selects the smallest piece to appear ladylike or whatever, and then the rest of the tray is gone with sounds of munching coming from under the veil. The other patrons look wide-eyed. As Freya continues to eat, the bride consumed a whole ox, seven salmon, and even more pastries. As the veiled bride finishes off her third cask of mead, Thrym tapped Loki on the shoulder and beamed that he had never seen a woman drink so much and eat so much and stared with awe at his new bride. Loki, always quick on his face, is like, of course, and it's quite obvious why she's eating so much. Um, she, huh, uh, and so he stares at the bride as she finishes her eighth salmon and then screams, eight, 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 eight days and night it has been since she has eaten. She vowed not to eat until she came to the land of the ogres uh, and and, then just sat in happy anticipation of the wedding night. And now that she is in your presence, she uh, can finally start to be at ease. Oh, great Thrym. She loves you so much. Oh, Thrym replies. I should kiss her and really quell her anxieties. Loki tries to stop him, but Thrym is already leaning over and pulling at the veil and then jumps back and whispers to Loki that the bride's eyes are the most fucking terrifying that he's ever seen. And those are not the eyes of the most beautiful woman in the world. Well, of course not, says the handmaiden. She hasn't slept for eight days. She's been consumed with the love of you, longing for your touch and the taste of your... Wonderful ogre kiss. Uh, Her eyes are burning with passion and hunger, not the normal, reserved eyes of a woman. Thrym licks his lips like an ogre, I guess. And Loki asks if it was time for the wedding ceremonies yet. And Thrym claps his hands in joy and calls for the servants to bring out Molnir because he wishes to place it in Freya's lap during the ceremony. 
It takes four ogres to carry in the hammer and they place it on the bride's lap. Jim speaks sweetly to his bride-to-be for an ogre. He says, There, my love, my beautiful bride, let me hear your voice, my sweet bird. Tell me how much you love me, how much you've longed for this night, just as I have. Tell me, dear, that you will be my wife and make me a happy man. So, my other word of endearment, what do you say? The bride took the shaft of the hammer in her ringed hand and laughed a quiet laugh that started out small and grew loud like thunder. What do I say? I say that you probably shouldn't have fucked with my hammer. And the bride rips off the veil, revealing who it actually is underneath and smashes them across his creepy ogre face and then proceeds to massacre everyone in the room. When he's finished, Loki emerges from under the table and says, My lady, you look absolutely ravishing. I have never seen you more beautiful. Thor strips off all of his skirts and jewels and stands there naked amongst all the dead ogres. Well, I mean, at least the food was good. So moral of this story is don't be a creepy ogre of a person or Thor will kill the shit out of you while wearing a dress. Thank you so much for listening today. If you have a story from history or mythology that you'd like to hear me talk about, please reach out. I'm always looking for new ideas, especially mythology outside of the Greek and Roman pantheon, because that's what I know best. But there are already people that do really, really great Greek and Roman YouTube and podcast, like Let's Talk About Myths Baby by Liv Albert. She's amazing. And get her new book called Greek Mythology. The Gods, Goddesses, and Heroes Handbook. It literally just came out this week and it's so beautiful. And if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, please consider subscribing so you can be on top of all of my episodes. And remember, history may be watching, so don't fuck it up. And don't steal Monier because Thor will kill you in a dress. Bye.